Hello, and welcome to another edition of Thoughts from Player One, the podcast where we take an in-depth look at story or narrative-focused games and give our thoughts on it. As always, I'm Alex. I'm Duncan, and that's not what this is. That's not this episode at <laughs> all! No, as astute listeners might have noticed by looking at the title, we're not talking about a specific game today. Um, you know, we... We did a game last week, um, and then we did some Sonic, and we've just got a, a couple of big projects in the works. Stay tuned for, I believe, two weeks from when this is going up, when we're going to be doing our first ever um, four-person podcast, uh, where we talk a little bit about Near Automata. We're going to be playing the first up through the first ending of that, so feel free to join in, play along with us. It's about seven to ten hours to get to that point. But um, we're, we're but, doing something a little asymmetrical with this, is um, we're... Me and the two other guests have only played the first ending, but Alex got his little greedy, grubby hands on the rest of the game before Absolutely. us. That is, and that uh, is he me. knows he knows all the facts. He's pulling the strings. He's going to be asking us some interesting questions that um may might make us look like a bunch of dinguses Maybe. for the later game. Uh, so I think it's going to be a really entertaining series to listen to. So. Absolutely. So join us so for the ground free. floor. It's thirty bucks right now on Steam. Hey, hopefully it still is by the time of this being released. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I don't spend thirty bucks for a while, so absolutely keep an gonna eye be, on that. Gonna be a fun one. Send in questions if you have any questions. No spoilers yes, for anything past the first run. Again, just because that's what we're trying to do. Well, they could send it, and then we can you can put it in the later ones. I won't well, check the email. I, mean, I guess, but Weep. come on, guys. Um, so because we've been working on that in the background, meaning that people were playing other games and we've been trying to get that all sorted out, we decided that this month, the first episode we do would not be a full game, but instead we're going to do one of our world famous topic episodes where we just kind of tackle, uh, tackle an issue and talk about it, you know, like we did with, you know, board games versus video games yeah. and we did with our top five story games issue. and things like that. Issue? Well, this sometimes issue. issue, sometimes Reviews are amazing. Topic. Reviews are amazing, Alex. We'll get into that. <laughs> we'll get into whether or not reviews are amazing. Um, but as Duncan just alluded to, we are going to be talking about game reviews this time around. Mm-hmm. Broad this, topic. Uh, this one kind of stemmed from, you know, Duncan wanting to talk a little bit about Steam reviews, and we sort of looked at it and expanded it. Um, you know, this came while we were looking at Steam reviews for different games to play. So mm-hmm. it seemed like a, a pretty pretty pertinent topic relative um, yeah so you all got steam accounts you know what it looks like you probably all got steam accounts if you don't have a steam account and you're listening to this podcast good on you you know broadening your horizons i like it yeah um so i figured we'd intro this with just a little bit of a um overview of kind of where we see the different categories and styles of reviews uh, and then give our perspective kind of where we're coming from just so we're all working from the same base this is not going to be exhaustive there's a lot of websites a lot of different magazines not so much magazines anymore because print's dead but a lot of websites a lot of youtubers um so the way i'm kind of looking at reviews is we've got um your standard 10 point review scale this is things like ign i think GameSpot did this back Mm -hmm. in the day um all of those super big names you know where they will do you know the give their review in written form or video form, and then at the end they will give a score out of 10, with 10 being the best, 1 being the worst. Um, sometimes they'll do increments of 0.5. Usually it's just increments of 1. Mm-hmm. There's also 5-star systems, 5-star um, or 5-point systems, again, which is just the same thing, but compressed it down to 
five as opposed to ten. Not surprisingly, um, again, you'll see this at sites like Giant Bomb. They do a five star system. Um, you see Steam style reviews where it is just anybody can post a review. Um, it's all kind of aggregated in one spot, and then the way Steam does it is they just give it a you know, the number of reviews and then an overall rating based on the ratio of good to bad. And the only things that these Steam reviewers are able to do is leave, you know, their comments and then whether they thought the game was good or bad. Um, so you'll get things like overwhelmingly positive or mostly positive or neutral or assumingly you can get, like, negative. But I don't know if I've ever seen it before. There's no neutral. It's just positive it's mixed. or negative. It's mixed. Um, well. Well, yeah, but you can only leave a plus, a, a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Yeah, so the aggregate yeah. score is what I'm saying. Like, the aggregate Steam thing will just be, like, positive or yes. mixed. And I don't know if there... I've never seen something that said mostly negative. I assume it does exist. Mm, I yes, don't know. it does. <laughs> okay. Um, there's also aggregators. This is things like Metacritic is probably the most popular, um, which just takes review scores from a bunch of different sites and then puts them into a calculation and gives you what they think the aggregate score of all the review sites are. Um, and then there are also written and video reviews where they talk at length about a game but don't actually give it a score at the end. They just talk about their feelings on it and you have to kind of take away from it what you will. Um, am I missing yeah. any? No. No, you, you pretty much hit them all. Hey! Starting the episode strong. All right. Or, or, or you got things like, like us numbnuts. We'll just talk about the whole game, and we don't, by the end, we don't even know if we, we liked it or not. <laughs> That's true. I do a very, very, very good job of completely obfuscating my viewpoint so that nobody knows whether or not I enjoyed a game. That's that's what I go for here on Thoughts from Player One. That's a yeah. real critical analysis. You got to walk away saying, I don't Alex, know. Alex, how does your ass feel? Because uh, you've been sitting on that fence for so goddamn long, after it <laughs> fucking aches after a while, man. <laughs> the only game you'll take a fucking stance on is Dropsy, man. It's the only yeah. game you'll ever take a stance on. <laughs> okay, that's a lie. But I was forced to take a stance on Dropsy because you took the wrong one, Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so I think that it's important to first talk about. What makes a game good as far as, like, in, in a review sense, where is it kind of subjective to this reviewer's opinion, or are they looking at it from, like, a, is this good for everyone, and it kind of comes to, like, a more, a couple, like, niche games that might not be for everybody, and then they don't get up there as fast in kind of what does that mean for games as a whole to be a little bit more niche that don't get as much attention, even if they're extremely good at the thing that they're doing. Whereas a game, you know, that's, that's more targeted towards relating to everybody gets so much more pickup. Do you see that as like an issue? And like, how can those games kind of like, I don't know, maybe, maybe rise up a little bit more. Yeah, so I think, first off, I, I do want to preface this by saying that we are both strictly on the consumer side of things. Um, yeah. I don't have any, like, deep insight into the games field or the games review field other than, you know, I will follow and listen to people who have significantly more insight in, like, their podcasts and their writings, but I personally have not interacted with that. I've not written reviews. I've not been in game development to see how review scores, um, you know, can affect things. Um, so 
strictly coming from that angle, I actually do think that's kind of a huge issue. Um, yeah. I think game reviews in general are, you know, I, I think reviewers oftentimes, at least the good ones, try to be as objective as possible when reviewing a game in terms of understanding, hey, you know, whether is this for me and what does it do um, kind of on its own merits, even if it's not something that I enjoy. But at the end of the day, it's still somebody playing a game who feels a specific way about that genre of game and who has specific, you know, emotions going into that. Uh, you know, it'll interact with them in a certain way. So a game, you know, like God of War, which is a very recent example, came out like a week ago, mm-hmm. which has been reviewing off the freaking charts, is going to hit a lot of people in a very good way because at the end of the day, you know, we've, we've played God of War games before. It's an action RPG. You know, it's it's very well-traveled territory, and it may do certain things really well, and it may be a really good game, but, like, that is a game that's going to safely get good reviews, whereas if you take other games, and some of the games we've played, like, you know, Her Story, which is completely untreaded ground. I don't know if that's a word, but untreaded ground is what I'm going to say. It's it's not going to get, like, A, it's not going to get review coverage because it's so small, but, like, a lot of people aren't going to connect with that in the ways that other people will because it is such a unique experience, right? The person who really, really loves a Mario game because of the, like, the feel of moving around in the world but doesn't care for, like, FMV or story-focused experiences or investigative experiences is gonna think that her story isn't good, right? So I do think... You you don't think that they would think... Yeah, they're not gonna think it's good because that's not... what they're interested in is what you're saying yeah and uh, again they might be able to recognize what it does well and what it does right but at the end of the day if you don't if a game didn't connect with you you're not going to be able to find the inspiration to write the style of review that you would for a game that you really liked and on top of that if a game doesn't seem like it's going to connect with you a lot of places just aren't going to write reviews about it anyway right do you like i just think it's such a i get in such a crazy mind loop of like this game didn't get attention because it was more niche. Is it because it's niche or because it's bad? Am I just enjoying it because it's like that? And it, I get into just like a weird, vicious circle thinking about that. Um, and kind of a more like Darwinism of games and being like, yes, the strongest will thrive. But like, but this is also beautiful, even if it's not the strongest. And it. I think it makes it really difficult for um, for people to filter through games when when you have so many. I guess I'm more speaking on this from like the more professional reviewers, like so more like the first two, the first couple we were talking about with the like, yeah, you know, the star system and everything like that. And it's like it's it's so hard to to see. I guess it's getting better, but I I feel like it's getting harder to cover so many. Oh yeah, I mean games, there's you know, just there's so not five releases anymore. Yeah, and everyone like a thousand a month, right? And everyone's like googling like God of War review, and like I I feel like no one's like researching or will like be scrolling through or click like a her story review. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, the the larger games that have these funding for, you know, marketing and that have the kind of clout behind their name will inherently just get more coverage. Because, because... like, do you think, do you think, uh, speaking on, like, an outside of 
entertainment's perspective, like just straight reviewers, like because I know I know you're a fan of you know the Giant Bob podcast. I think they're they're relatively entertaining. Am I wrong mm-hmm. there? They like, they kinda, are like, entertainment, but a but also focused. Yeah, but they did spin off of like the larger sites, you know, GameSpot. Uh, okay, IGN, and they kind of come from all over. So when they do reviews, yeah. their reviews are not to be entertaining the reviews are to be objective okay as much as is possible you know because i i also think that that a lot of people don't have like a person to go to when they want a review for a game you know what i mean like i feel like they just google it a lot of the times and then click the top result um whereas i think it's interesting to like try and find someone that more like caters towards your tastes and if you can find someone that's like, wow, this person and I agree on a lot of game, you know, opinions and everything like that. And I can trust this person to tell me like, hey, this game is real good or this one's real bad. I think that's a much better system for doing things than like, I'm just going to Google this game review and see what the top result says. Because I feel like a lot of people end up doing that. Yeah, and I think there's kind of two issues embedded in there, right? Because that first half there where you're talking about how people find game reviews, the reason I think part of the problem of not being able to necessarily point to one person consistently and say, oh, well, that person and I agree, so I know that their opinion will be reflected in me, is that a lot of the people that you would seek out to do these larger reviews, right? I mean, again, IGN, GameSpot, Giant Bomb, they're made up of individuals. They all sign their reviews. You can follow specific people if you want, um, and I very, very highly recommend it if you are able to. But, I mean, at the end of the day, they're writing reviews so that they can get people to go to their websites or right. watch their videos so they can make money because that's how they feed their families, right? It's it's totally understandable, but that means if you know that there's going to be, you know, two million units of God of War sold in the first three months, then you have to have a review out as soon as it's done so that you can get, you know, people's impressions there. But, like, that if, well, you that, ha- if you're dealing with numbers that large, you're not going to assign somebody to write a view of her story and get the, like, you know... 500 clicks and again i think you had mentioned that it's part of like a vicious cycle there right where well this didn't get reviewed as much so people aren't as interested in it and because people aren't as interested in it this type of game doesn't get reviewed as much um and then you know well i mean even me and you have talked about and we have a tiny tiny listenership but we see a bump in in games that are either more popular or or are more recent and there's a lot of older games that i'm like oh wow like i really want to try this but i'm like yeah but no one's really going to listen. And I think that is like, I mean, it's, it's the like Darwinism of the internet. It's like, yeah, the, the strong is going to survive in that scenario. The, the popular is going to take, take heed and get the more clicks, but, uh, but it kind of sucks. It does. Like, I mean, like you said, we've talked about a number of games where it's like, Hey, this is really cool. And like, you know, compared to our most popular episodes without giving, like, specific numbers because I don't know them all off the top of my head, uh, like, we, our episode on the council, which I think was an okay episode, we kind of fumbled parts of it, but, like, that that episode was on a more recent game and it's going to get more downloads, but also, like, the council didn't pop off. Everybody wasn't talking about it in the world, and, like, that that kind of was just doomed from the start compared to, like, our Life is Strange series, which is doing, you know, gangbusters comparatively. Um, right. And, like, Firewatch, we talked about that when it was still very hot in the zeitgeist. That episode got a ton of downloads. So it is very, very much 
the game that is popular will stay popular. And I mean, that's, I think that's just media. Like that's not exclusive to games or anything, but it it does suck when you think about it. Like it makes it harder to see the ability for something to break out and break into the industry. But you know, a game like night in the woods, which was the first game by a new studio was made by like that team of three, two people on that team had never made a game before in their lives. Right. Right. Like they didn't have, the backing going into that and that game's on all tons of platforms and everybody was talking about it for you know the entire year and it made a probably huge number of sales i don't have sales figures but yeah you got to assume it did really well if it's on a bunch of different platforms and still getting you know getting re-releases so deals like kind of additional content yeah yeah so it's not impossible but it really does feel like hey if your game's gonna make it big it has to connect with somebody who is already you know has a following in the industry right like you have to get a positive review or an article by somebody who will be able to share that with will hit a huge number of people um so you're playing and and it and and it's often feels like you're you know i'd imagine it often feels like you're playing towards other people and i wonder if you know how often again don't have any numbers but like how often that happens of like god i just I got to play, I got to make this game for X, Y, and Z people to enjoy it because otherwise I'm not going to make any money off of it. And and how much artistic integrity gets lost in that? Like, I, I can't imagine it's it's low. You know what I mean? Oh, I like, mean, it's got to be high. If you just look at, like, some of the marquee series, you look at, like, a Call of Duty that you know, is released all the time, uh, you know, every year, you can see... Like, once the stakes are that high, once you're pouring millions and millions of dollars into a game and, you know, thousands of people's jobs depend on it doing well, like, the chances that are taken creativity, creatively, yeah, that's right. Look, words are hard. <laughs> uh, the chances, the creative chances that are taken drop significantly compared to, you know, if it's one person making a game for three years in their spare time, you know, they're pouring their heart and soul into it. They're not expecting money back because they're just doing it in their spare time. You're going to get a very, very, very different experience. And like, so, at this point, these are mm-hmm. very tangentially related to game reviews. We went off the rails fucking quick with that one, Duncan. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I want to I want to kind of like wrap it back and ask you or or I'll say I'll talk on it is like, in a in a sea of game reviews and like you know professional wise of you know your god of wars and like you know your popular games and everything like that how how can we like dig through that and find some of like the gems of like you know of of what's coming out or what's already been there and like you know the more like cult classics like i think it's easy to find but uh, I don't know. I feel like it's easy but difficult to find, especially for someone who isn't as like savvy. Yeah, I mean, look, how many hours do we spend combing through Steam, you know, looking for games that we think would be good for the podcast? And how many times when we're doing oh, yeah. that, when we literally are combing through every game and, you know, a Steam search of, you know, whatever we decide to look at, how many times do we see games that we go, hey, I've literally never heard of this before, but it looks really cool. And, like, the Steam reviews, the, like, 30 of them that exist are are very positive. Um, I, I don't know that I have a good answer for how we combat the popularity, yeah. um, like, self-fulfilling prophecy, basically. Uh, I just don't know. Yeah. I, I, think it, I think it really just comes 
I think it comes down to people. And I think that kind of like drives just the next top, like the next section of reviews that are more user input based, your Metacritic user score, your Steam reviews and stuff like that is that if it has enough of a cult following, it's going to get these wildly crazy, like positive reviews and be in some kind of a trending area. But I feel like that doesn't last for very long till it gets buried. You know what I mean? So it, it's, yeah. I feel like it's a lot of just trying to keep up with what's coming out and like what is just like getting just those small, small bits of super positive reviews. Because so, most likely if people like the game and you're interested in the genre, even if it has like 20, 30 reviews, I think it's important to be like, just because this is a low number doesn't mean that it's not good. And I think it's, I think people are a little like, I get a little scared to like get into a game from the ground up. Cause I'll be real with you all fucking the council had a very positive review. <laughs> I don't think that game was very positive. I would say positive at the most. Like, so this is interesting because I, I this, this leads into this question that I had for you. Um, yeah. This sort of newer uh, steam sort of aggregate score, right? Where it's, yeah. Hey, everybody can contribute to it. Literally, everybody's voice is on the same level, no matter what their input. And then we give it kind of an overall up or down. Do you think that's good? Like, do you think that's a good system of reviewing? <laughs> good or bad? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Would you say it's a mostly positive system yeah. or like a mixed <laughs> I think system? it's extremely positive. No, I honestly think it's mixed. It's here's the thing. Here's what really triggers me when I listen to friends. Um or just people talk about this. Just read. Just read. Please read. Because so many people see a, see a thing and it says mixed. And then they just go, no, next. Bye. Mm -hmm. I think it's so important for you to click on the game. Click on the reviews. Read some negatives. Read some positives. Even if it says very positive, read the positives. My example and i didn't run into this just it's it's a possibility is maybe you see a uh visual novel game and it has extremely positive reviews and you're like i'm down for some fucking story then you start playing the game and realize that all the very positive reviews is because there's some big tittied anime girl in it and you're like god that's not what i was like you know that's not what i was looking for obviously you'd read the description and understand why but it's I mean, important yeah, they're to know pretty why upfront with those. yeah it, it's important to know why a game is going well or bad so please just read because there's so many games where people leave rev negative reviews because something didn't go their way or they were expecting something that wasn't there and that might mm. not be for you like they you know a friend of mine uh brought up a game called sort of ditto uh that's been getting mixed reviews and i kind of he he kind of helped me read into why not really helped me read into why but like pointed a finger towards it and um it's because people didn't understand it was a roguelike game and didn't want it to be that mm -hmm. so they review bombed it negative yeah and i do think i think that concept like not even that like specific example though i again i, I haven't looked into it enough to to comment on that at all um That's but fair. The, the concept of 
everybody being able to to say something is good or bad and that being kind of the definitive notion of it because you'll just see the one thing um again yeah. everybody should read okay at some point we're just talking about the problem with an unfettered democracy right maybe we should just start talking about america but i don't <laughs> want to do that because it's bad bad state yeah. of affairs and also the internet's worse than real people um so i've seen a number of times where People have been leaving uh, huge numbers of negative reviews of a game because they didn't like something the developer did or said. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Or, you know, and it's one thing to say, I don't want to support this game because there are, you know, what I find to be predatory practices in the way that a game is monetized. Or I find that the way that the developers spoke in interviews was dehumanizing to a certain group of people. Or, I don't know... Yeah, look, we were all alive during Gamergate. The, this is connected to women in a way that I don't like. So fuck them. Like review bomb. Yeah. Like, yeah. Those sort of things happen, and that I think is terrifying to me. That like livelihoods of people and like successes or failures of games can be tied to a number of like hive-minded fuckers on the internet who don't understand that like actions have consequences well, and that there's a difference between saying a game is good and bad and I don't like X, which is external from a game. But it is, I think it's important to still, I think it's important to still have that dialogue on the game because even even if you feel that way about the developer, I think you should be able to voice that on the game. However, if you're going to buy the game or are interested in it, you should still read why these people are dislike it, you know, dislike it. And if you agree with that person, you went, you're like, yeah, that is that's really fucked and I don't want to support this developer to breed that those feelings more, you know. Oh, a- absolutely. Like, like people should be held accountable. Like you should be able to say like, yo, this person was a dick and or like, yo, this person is trying to screw us over. Like let people know and inform them, but like if we're going to empower people to to hold developers responsible, I it it's such a slippery slope because we are also having to do the inverse, right, which is hey people are just shitty sometimes and they just yeah. don't like somebody for not a good reason and decide to like negatively review bomb a game and yeah it's such a double-edged sword that i almost think it's just not worth it Which, yeah again and it's it's tough because i i really think that a game should be about a game you know what i mean like it should be about the content when you click that download button that's what it should be about but also it's important to know who you're giving that 60 that 20 that 10 that 15 bucks to you know what i mean like yeah it's tough i mean i've definitely refused to buy games based on comments or politics of developers before but i didn't go leave a negative review on the game and maybe i should have i don't but, know this is yeah a exactly area, it comes right? into a point of well you read it but it, <laughs> I don't go – sometimes I'll only check Steam for reviews. You know what I mean? I won't go and Google. And sometimes you yeah. Google a game and you don't get any information on the developer who made it unless they it's a real big stink. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's – that's tough. It's such a – again, it's just this weird, like, cycle that can ne- – it feels like it can never be solved of, like, who's – what should and shouldn't be on a, on a review as far as users go. Yeah, and I think that it's – it's one of those weird things because, again, I, I think I maybe came out 
at least seemingly aggressive against this, like this whole idea of users being able to just kind of vote things up and down. But again, we use those reviews as a basis sometimes for whether or not we should play a game on Steam, which is not to say that we haven't played bad games. It's not to say that we haven't said, hey, let's play bad games. Again, Contrast had very positive reviews, and we both thought that game was hot garbage. So like... The, and and sometimes we want to play a mixed game. You know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. we yeah. want to play that that like this is this is contra this is controversial. You know what I mean? And like yeah. I think it's also really important to um to and I don't know if you feel like this, but I think sometimes I want to play a game with flaws. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, go into that a little more. I think I know what like, you mean, but I, I do want I, you to go into it a little more. I, sometimes I'll see, like, you know, the positives on Steam or the mix on Steam, and I read it, and I hear people having, like, a genuine discussion about the mechanics or the way that they handle uh, the story or the characters, and I'm so much more interested to go into there and, like, figure out how I feel about it and, like, you know, get my, you know, take into consideration what everyone said rather than playing an absolute, like, generated masterpiece. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, I, it's, I it's, think an, I do. like, like, like Mario Odyssey, I think is an absolute masterpiece. Like, there's nothing wrong with that game. And I think a lot of, I think pretty much everyone loves that game. I, I, you can, I mean, just I was actually gonna maybe bring it up as an example of a game that, like, why we shouldn't necessarily take reviews 100% at face value, but go on. <laughs> ooh, ooh, spicy, spicy. I but, mean, not okay. overly spicy, not overly whatever, spicy. Whatever your, like, you know, idea of, like, a perfect game is, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes I want to step out of that that zone a little bit, and, like, you're, you're AAAs and you're very polished, and mm-hmm. really step into something that's a little bit more rough around the edges, and kind of see the different qualities that they bring to the table because they might be insanely interesting ideas on the like on gameplay or story or characters that may not have worked exactly how they wanted to but I still get a sense of nuance from it that I wouldn't get from something that's a lot more polished yeah so I I think there's a distinction to be made there and that I don't think you're saying you want to play a game that you know has flaws as much as you're saying you want to play a game that takes chances right because there are mixed reviews games on steam that like they just fail at executing on what is otherwise a like normal principled game right they don't do anything super interesting they just do what's been done poorly but i guess bad but But i guess it's important to say that the the basics like you're talking about have to be there you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like the control has to be there you know the the sometimes just like the writing has to be there but it's it's the more like outside stuff the um i'm sorry you called it something and it's a really basic fucking word oh my god (laughs) it took chances i don't chances yeah 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 (laughs) i'm interested in the chances that it took (laughs) hard to have a heady conversation when we lose the word chances in in the middle (laughs) yeah i like the chances even if people think that the chances that they made were bad totally and i i think that is a fair point and i think to some extent we're talking about a game like the council right now which again it maybe it didn't hit for us because again the the writing wasn't 
spoiler, I don't think the writing or voice acting was very good in the council at all. But the conceptual ideas that they brought to it, right, the new way that they were trying to put a twist on that genre of game was really interesting, right? That was a game that took a chance and ended up being interesting despite the fact that it was a very flawed game. Yeah. Um, and I think that, like, those games are worth playing, right? Even if I didn't walk away from the council going, hey, that was cool, I did walk away from it going, like, hey, RPG mechanics and choice-based narrative games actually do add something, and they are interesting, and I would like to see a developer expand on that idea with slightly different execution. Or maybe episode two will have better execution. Find out when we do a, an episode on it. Join us then, guys. Yeah. Um, love pretty art, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Here's to hoping. Um <laughs> So yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. I, I think the one area where reviews are objectively helpful is if there are just massive technical issues with the game. Yeah. If it's just like, hey, this okay. game's got mostly negative reviews because it doesn't start for 60% of people or it drops to like 10 frames. But what's so fucked frequently. about that is that they're like, oh shit, and then they like fix it in a day and now it just has this like besmirched fucking mark on it. Yeah, and that does That's so fuck a lot. That's it's... so fucked. Like, I understand you should ship a game with non-game breaking bugs in the intro. You really shouldn't have those. But like people will be like, first day I played it, I played it for six hours, and then one time the an item in my inventory disappeared. Negative. Like, oh, <laughs> oh that shit drives me insane. Yeah, that that is super shitty, and that's yeah. kind of inexcusable if you're just like, there was a bug that I didn't like, and it... And you, you can know. take your reviews back and be like, okay, you know, they helped me out, they they fixed this, I'm gonna change it. And you yeah. can do the same from positive to negative, that's fine. But still, like, you know how many people that probably influences? And if they would just read and be like, oh, it's a technical issue, I'm gonna check back on this later. You know what I mean? Like... And I'm sure people do do that, but, like, I I don't know. I mean, I'm not one of them, so I yeah. can't hold other people to a standard that I kind of refuse to hold myself to, right? Like, if I see that there are technical issues with the game, more often than not, I'm just going to say, okay, then this one isn't for me unless I hear about it again. You know, are we saying future. technical issues like, like bugs or technical yeah, issues like, like mechanics? Okay. See, I'm the like, opposite. Me mechanical issues are, you know, that's something that is for me, tends to be a larger red flag that's like, hey, from a design standpoint, there are issues that they're probably not going to fix because they made a design decision. Right. Whereas, you yeah. know, uh, bugs, it's like, hey, you know, they didn't realize that people who have this specific type of graphics card can't play their game. They'll probably fix that. But there are, like we said at the, the outset, there are just so many games coming out so frequently, and especially coming off the heels of freaking 2017, where every other game that was released was the best game that's ever come out. Like, yeah, <laughs> it, if your game comes out and doesn't hit that window of like shortly after its release, it's very quick to fall out of the zeitgeist and it's not likely to come back saying yeah. some huge thing changing. Yep. What was the original question? What were we talking about? <laughs> Oh God! It was uh, we're just talking. We're just talking about. I think we came to the conclusion that like for games that are like no, I don't think we even answered it. We didn't come to a conclusion. We just gave our thoughts, Duncan. That's what we do here at Thoughts from Player One. It's not conclusions from Player One. Yes, that's true. Uh, that's true. I, 
so kind of going back to that though um and doing a little bit more of a a, a comparison how do you feel about looking at a, you know 10,000 people's up or down review with comments on Steam versus say one to two reviewers that you've seen them review a whole lot of things before uh, like how how do you weigh those in your own head I I tend to trust certain people with certain aspects right like I don't really follow too many professionals to be honest I I really don't I and I kind of just always take what people are saying with a grain of salt and especially with the users on Steam is I just read a bunch of them and get an understanding of, you know, how people feel about it. So I guess to go back, uh, I feel like I'd take the users a little bit more honestly, but I, so many of them suck so bad at it. You know what I mean? Like so many people are so bad at reviewing games that I, I feel like, and I don't know if any, everyone else feels this way, but like I can, I can just sense a bad review when I click on it. Like, I start reading it and I'm like, yeah, this sucks. This person doesn't know how to like go over a game or their, or maybe they don't suck, but their ideals definitely don't line up with me. Yeah. I think so that that's interesting. Cause I tend to, to flow to the other end of the spectrum, which is to say that I, I, I can see where you're coming from, but I do follow, um, you know, not a ton of professionals, but you know, I can name a number of people in the gaming industry you know like you said i listen to the giant bomb podcast and the giant beast and you know follow the the people over at waypoint know a couple of you know, know some of the work from the people at like kotaku and polygon and so i kind yeah. of know like certain individuals like i know hey that person i know like those eight games that they liked and i know what they said they liked about them and they were the exact same eight things i did so i just trust their opinion and it's not to say that their opinion is inherently better than the steam opinion but I think that they are much, much better at articulating why yeah. something was good or bad. And I think, for me personally, the opinion of one person who is very good at articulating the positives and negatives of the game tends to outweigh the like the mass of people who, generally speaking, aren't. Um, yeah. And I think one of the ways you can see this is, I how many Steam reviews have you seen where somebody typed up eight paragraphs and at the end of every paragraph was like, well, graphically, six out of ten, but gameplay-wise, five out of, you know, whatever. And it's like, okay, yeah. but that, like, that type of review where you say, like, X, it, it gets an X score in visuals and an X score in sound and an X score in gameplay, like, that was a review from 2007. Like, that, right. we don't do that anymore because it's a bad way to review games and it yeah. ignores the core of what they're trying to do. So when I see people like that on Steam and when I see those being the popular reviews, I kind of just like, ooh, I don't really trust you at all. Yeah, no, that's, I don't, yeah, I can't get into those. It's really what I I really like to do is I like to come in as blind as possible. So I think it's kind of funny, but I think coming into those unarticulated opinions kind of like lets me know just a little bit about the game where I feel like if I read someone who's a little bit more professional about it, who's really evaluated and understands their feelings and articulation on the game, like it doesn't spoil me, but it kind of does in a weird way that I can't really describe. So that actually feeds really well into a question that I kind of wanted to ask you that I'd been thinking about lately, which is how much do you think a review 
Um, and I, I'll expand this from review to including like recommendation or strong recommendation mm-hmm. from you know a friend or relative or, or someone you're close to. Sure. How much does that influence how you will feel about a game going into it, and like how you will feel about it after it's mm-hmm. done? Okay. If if you think it does it all for you, first off, first off, this is a thing I've been learning uh, okay. recently in my life. Don't tell anyone to do anything <laughs> because they won't do it. <laughs> Don't tell anyone to watch this show or play this game. They're not going to do it. I'm sorry, but they won't. (laughs) Unless you, like, sit them down and just, like, make them watch it or make them play it or you buy it for them. Sometimes, even then. Uh, And this isn't... God, this isn't like me talking about Alex. It's just me. In I general. feel I feel like I'm very attacked right now because I haven't finished <laughs> season two of My Hero Academia, and honestly, I'm offended, Duncan. <laughs> but 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 I think that it's really this is I'm taking it aside as we have been doing this whole episode. But I think it's really fascinating how to psychologically bend someone to get them to do play the game or watch the show or watch the movie that you want them to. It's very like you have to give them a point of curiosity and like feeling of like, Oh, that that's interesting. Let me look into it because anytime you try and articulate how you feel about something, it's not going to come off as cool as the way that artistic people are going to display it for you in like a trailer or a written description. Because if I'm like, trying to explain it's always sunny and i'm like yeah there's like there's like four guys and and they're in a bar and they're always really funny and one of them's really stupid and the other one's like sex a lot and i i i I don't know i don't know and like it's gonna come off as terrible because you're bad at it it's okay to be bad at it i was gonna (laughs) disagree with you here because you know immediate example that jumped to my head was you know like, like we said at the top of the show, we're playing Nier Automata next, and I, I bounced off that game after I initially bought it, and I'll talk more about this on that episode or whatever. But then I, I just put it down with the intention of never playing it again, really. It, it just sort of happened that way. And the only reason I did pick it back up was because my brother started playing it and spoke volumes about, hey, you know, we're, well, I know you. We've obviously been brothers, so, like, this is why you will like it. Like, you'll really like this game, and, like, this is happening in XYZ. And, and so... On that recommendation, I finished the game, but I think to your point, the reason that I actually did follow through was not because he said you will like it, but because he said, you know, this and this are the type of things you will get out of it, and the way that it gets there is really interesting, and then also prefaced it with like, but I can't tell you anything about it, or it will spoil right. everything. See, that's um, like a, that's a really good psychological like way to get someone to to be interested in something is tell them a small tiny bit of it and then say but i can't tell you anymore you'll have to find it yourself you know what it's i mean it's called the doki doki method oh, <laughs> oh oh the doki doki i can't believe i got like two people from my work who like have never touched a visual novel uh to to play doki doki literature club it was amazing They're and like, you yeah. probably did it by explaining maybe where it might end up in their heads but not anything about what actually is gonna go on in the game it's fucking beautiful god i love that game (laughs) (laughs) all right going back to the initial question yeah so what was the question (laughs) (laughs) okay it was it was about game reviews and how much they like it affects your your enjoyment or your thoughts going in and leaving the game well it depends on i think that depends on so many things i think like (sighs) 
like I'll just, I'll pull Doki right out of the fucking pan <laughs> is because like the review I, I we read for that game was scroll up, don't read anything else. This game it's really this game's gonna pop off, and you're going to enjoy it. Just play it. That review is so like perfect where it's like no don't don't read anything you you're gonna be so invested in this but you just have to play it and not read anything and you can't do that for every game obviously no that's i can't go to a god of war i can't go to a god of war review and it'd be like no 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 turn around (laughs) go buy this 60 dollar game because you know that game was free so it was much different but like Mm -hmm. for other games that aren't magical uh i think I think a lot of the times it just depends on what I want the game for. Like if it's more about me getting invested in these characters and story, it's, it's important that I read as little as possible. Or if it's some kind of interesting mechanic, I feel a little bit more like less inclined to be spoiled by it because I'm interacting with it. And I'm like, I'm reading about a mechanic and living a mechanic is very different yeah so i think think it's it's subjective to like which what kind of uh, what kind of game that is and what it's focused on and but i will say that you know if you just talk about like uh god i'm trying to think of a game (sighs) okay all i can think of is breath of the wild if you made a review and you just listed all the things you can do in breath of the wild the the sense of discovery is lost and it's like yes i know i can surf on my shield because i read it in a review and then when you actually go to learn how to surf on a shield you're just kind of like yay but it's not as fun as when you're like wait if i if i do the shield and then i jump and then i oh shit i'm surfing on a shield it's so much more exciting than than when you watch someone else do it and then do it yourself with Breath of the Wild, I think that's a really interesting example, right? Because there is some aspect of that that, you know, I read a whole bunch of reviews before I bought that game, um, and I even watched a little bit of gameplay footage um, because it's the reason that I bought a Switch, so I needed to be sure I would like it. But yeah. seeing some of that stuff did take some of the magic away, right? Like, you know, exactly. knowing that you can surf on your shield, knowing that you can do X, Y, Z. But with Breath of the Wild, I think the interesting thing is that the sense of discovery is so broad, and the way that things interact was so, like, foreign and there were so many interactions that although seeing them did take away from you finding them out yourself seeing like a very particular examples of them is what drove me to be more interested in the game because it was just a yeah. tiny vertical slice of what could happen as opposed to getting a bunch of broad examples so yeah. i think in that instance um that's a really interesting example just because it is so different whereas for me personally like if I going into a game hearing somebody else's thoughts on that game, it it does actually pretty directly impact how I will feel about a game because I know going into it like if it's a mechanically heavy game, like I think you had mentioned, it is a little bit less just because it's about the way that you interact with it and how mm-hmm. you feel about those interactions. But for instance, if I go into a story focused game, right, it's it's a totally different experience if I'm going into it totally blind and I don't know what to expect. Versus if I'm going into it with a whole bunch of information um, and and then looking for that, right? Like, and I don't want to harp on this because we're going to have our own discussion about it, but with Nier, like, one of the reasons that I 
felt so strongly about that game was because I had had people talk about it at length around me without actually explaining what happened in it. So when I was going <laughs> through that game, I was really digging for bigger themes. I was really looking at, at specific characters and trying to understand what was going on. Whereas something like Life is Strange, and again, this is you know kind of a weird example because I really love both of these games, but Life is Strange, I knew nothing about. I was the first person in my friend group who had played the game. Um, you know, since I don't know when you started at Duncan, so I'm not going to, you know, but I was going into that pretty much blind other than the fact that it had positive reviews. So what I was looking for at the outset of that game, you know, in episode one was totally different because I was just going into it to have like a fun ride. So I wasn't digging deeply until the later episodes and then, you know, we did podcasts on it. So obviously yeah. at that point, but it was a very different experience because i went into it knowing there was depth there for one of them and for the other one not being sure whether or not there was going to be huh yeah that's cool yeah but then um, you know mechanically someone's like hey go play god of war because it's fun to knock things into the air and i'm like fuck you know it is fun to knock things into the air <laughs> it is fun to climb a cyclops and then gouge a sword in his eye it's a blast that's, yeah man um, you gotta love it so my last thing that I want to I want to touch upon here, um, are scores terrible? Yep. Okay. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I no, hate I, scores. I, I, I hate numbers. I used to hold on to it when I was younger. When I was you know a oh, high yeah. school lad, totally. It was like, yo, this game got a ten. It's obviously great. But now, like, it just means that people won't read the fucking review yeah they won't understand why it's giving that score they'll just read the byline and they'll see the score and then they'll leave and i know because i've done it for games before even now and i think it's fucking trash and i still do it Ooh, i don't i don't do that anymore i can't i can't i've just heard so many sad sad stories and seen so many games with low scores that i love and it's just i don't know anyways uh i think my my number one problem with it is you know obviously people like you but also uh, <laughs> okay. i don't always do it okay, okay yeah <laughs> but but i think what a 10 is and what a 5 is if we're going on a 1 to 10 scale is so different for me as compared to someone else if i had to give a numerical score to something a 7 or like a between like a 5 and 7 should be like this is a good game this was enjoyable you mm. should play it a five to seven in like IGN terms is like this game fucking blue chunks. Don't yeah. play it. You know what I mean? Like, and it's it's fucked up. That, it's that so margin. bad because it doesn't. The problem is it doesn't use the fucking like ten is perfect, one is bad, five is average scale. It uses the fucking American grading scale of you know a hundred <laughs> is an A plus and a seventy is a C and a fifty is failing. Like right, we've adopted and- a shitty system. Yeah, and, and you should just know that, like, okay, you're gonna your review is gonna be anywhere from six to ten. Now your review is anywhere from one to four. So now you have to take it on that scale. But nobody does that. Like nobody does that. It it's it's like a power creep of review score, right? Like, uh, it's crazy. It's so bad. It's I don't it, think we have to talk about sense. it enough. To, I to, think the other the other issue with it, um, 
and I don't know how prevalent this still is because, again, I'm, I'm an industry outsider. I, I don't write reviews. I don't hire for game companies. But I do know that there was at least a while there for it's probably still happening where larger game companies would specifically look for people and, and they would only consider candidates who had worked on a game that had gotten a Metacritic score of X or higher. Um, yeah, which is a problem with a review scores and also b Metacritic, which Metacritic can go fuck itself because it just it's the combination of everything that I think is bad about review score numbers anyway, which is to say let's completely divorce ourselves from any fucking context and just give you a pure number and that's it. Um, yep. So I mean, you can read the context, but still, like it's you can, but when there's eighty of them and some of the user reviews are trash anyway, it, Metacritic's a bad website and I don't like it. And that's my super cold take. Um, yeah, so that is that's deeply problematic. I think I think review numbers just disincentivize anything good, and I think there's no good scale that makes any amount of sense whatsoever. Hell yeah. Um, the only other thing I had that I wanted to talk about here um, is something that I had been thinking about, which is like reviews. And I'm talking specifically about like marquee reviews, not Steam reviews and things like that, where it's you know. There's a shitload of them, and they can change at will if they want, though they typically don't. But if you look at, like, actual game reviews and videos people have recorded on YouTube and, um, you know, magazine reviews and things, they are, um, the reviews are a moment in time that'll never change. Mm -hmm. So that's just such an interesting concept to me because it feels like, and let me know if you feel this way too, it feels like reviews are actually devalued as time goes on. Because if you look at a game that was a 10 out of 10 um, fucking six years ago, mm-hmm. we may have moved, like, we learned from that game and moved so far yeah. beyond yeah, that Golden it's just Eye. not even good anymore. Yeah, GoldenEye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, like, and and the discourse can shift so quick. Like, specifically, um, were you uh, did you ever follow Bioshock or any of the Bioshock games or anything yeah. like that? Oh yeah. So Bioshock Infinite when it came out, I don't know if you remember, um, it got basically nines and tens from every single review mm-hmm. like outlet that existed, and everybody lost their shit. And I mean, I loved the game. I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was, you know, it didn't do what it set out to do necessarily, but it was a fun blockbuster style game. Um, but it was maybe two months after that game dropped that the entire like discourse shifted and it became people no longer saying hey this game is ridiculously fun and tackles heavy concepts and does a really good job with it and it quickly became like it's an arcade shooter that's got some issues and it tries to say something about race and politics and completely stumbles and falls and also maybe this guy doesn't know what he's talking about anymore (laughs) like it was such a fucking 180 hard turn from like critics in the industry but like those scores are out there now. Like, yeah, you don't get a good idea of what people actually think about it at this point, and that's just well, such a fucking weird thing. Well, I think it's really important, and this is I'm I'm pulling a lot of my like donkey video game donkey made a super good video on game reviews, and I I am influenced by it in the sense that like I heard it and I'm like yeah I agree with a lot of this stuff, but I think it's it's important to think about how much time you spend with a game in being able to put it down and really think about it instead of just like picking it up, playing it just because a lot of reviewers, you know, they just have to play that game all the way through at the moment that they get it. You know what I mean? Like no Mm -hmm. breaks uh, where I can sit down, 
think about Nier for a little bit, take a two week break because someone's not playing it and, <laughs> and really think about it. You know what I mean? And like, I feel like a lot of people don't get that. And maybe that's where all the discourse is coming from is no one's had the time to really sit down and think about it and either play it again or like pick it up after a while. They just like play, 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 played. And I know people who do play games like that, but I think for the most of us, we, you know, we play for a couple hours, we put it down, we come back to it, we think about it for a couple weeks, pick it back up, get frustrated, leave it alone, come back. And I think that can happen in both the negative and positive spectrum of of uh, discourse for feelings about the game over time. Yeah, I think that that's fair. Um, you know, I again, I give some amount of credit to the people who, um, at least the people that I like their reviews, because I do think they do a good job of trying to distill their thoughts early on. But I mean, I mean, like you're right. You, when review copies of games are distributed to a lot of these larger websites, they don't have a ton of time to get that review up because the you know. Like I like we said earlier, it's there's a window. There's a window where people will be looking for reviews, and if your review isn't up, sorry, like you're just not going to get any clicks on that shit, and that means you're not going to make money. So they are forced to put out reviews significantly quicker, and I think certain people do stumble and fall because of that, and they do put out suboptimal reviews, and some people are fine working under that pressure, and some people are able to compress things um, much much quicker than others. But it it's problematic to just have a totally different experience from what you will have have that be what the basis of the review is um which is why i I mean there are certain websites um like waypoint recently put out a review and they don't do review scores so i already like the reviews they put out a review of a game and the person who's reviewing it played it for 20 hours and did not beat the game and they're still playing it but they're enjoying it and like they were just very upfront in their review and i think that like yeah I respect that. Like, hey, this person didn't finish it, but also if they did, they probably wouldn't have enjoyed their experience because it's all they would have been doing. And at that point, it's not like a thing you're doing for fun. It's like an all-consuming deadline. And that yeah, and sucks. I think it's I think it's interesting to think about too. Like, there are games that I like a lot that I haven't finished. Yeah, you know what I mean. And a lot of reviewers expected to play a game to the end, and that experience from beginning to end has to be like their review and like mm-hmm. i love uh there's a game called downwell i really like i mean it's it's just a mechanic game like there's no no story it's just you fall down a well and then you're shooting with your feet and it's mm-hmm. pretty difficult and i don't want to finish it i would rather <laughs> not finish that game because it's very hard but i love how well it's paced and i feel like if i were to have to write a review about it in you know this the kind of like industry and the way that people expect things to be, I would have to finish it. And after hours and hours and hours of trying to beat that game, uh, I think I would be infuriated and, and I would lose a lot of love for it. Totally. I mean, how I, mad I would get. <laughs> I told, I think that is completely fair. I have not beaten Bloodborne, which again was not because I'm bad. Same, I'm good dude. at games, guys. I'm good at games. Yeah. Yeah. Me but... too. Me too. Me too. Me too. <laughs> me too, dude. I'm good at games too, but I haven't beaten it. No, I mean, I like the PS4 that I was playing it on was not mine, and I stopped living with the person who I was playing it on, so I just, I never beat it. But, like, if I wanted to give thoughts on that game and, like, a review, like you had said, I feel like I would need to start over and, like, struggle through that game. And one of the good things about Soulsborne games is that when you hit a wall, you can just walk away for a while. And yeah. you'll come back later, if you know, a day or a week, and you'll probably just get through what you were dealing with, and you can, de- like, de-stress from it. 
But if you don't have that opportunity, like, then I'm going to fucking have a miserable time with I have something to admit to you. I have something to admit to you. Are you bad at Bloodborne? I'm so bad at Souls games, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad at those games. And I tell all my friends I'm having a hard time with it. And you know what they say? They say get good. They say get good. Of course they say get good. Those games are really fucking hard. Though. The only so reason hard. I got through the original Dark Souls is because I played it at the same time as my brother. So we were able to encourage each other when we got frustrated. <laughs> I made it relatively far through bloodborne as my first souls game and i feel like i've died an insane amount of times but i feel like walking i started playing a little bit of dark souls 3 and i feel like i've been getting i've i had a better start with that game like i've cleared more bosses in faster times than i did with uh with bloodborne so i don't know with i don't know which one's easier but I I mean, having played Dark Souls 1 and half of Bloodborne and a little of Dark Souls 3, I think they're pretty similar. Okay. I think it depends on your playstyle. Certain playstyles are easier in one game versus the other. But those games have, all of them have a wall that you just, you hit. And eventually you're sitting there like, I should, I'm 20 hours in and I should remake my character because I fucked this shit up early on. Yo, um, to so reconnect. one's always easier. <laughs> to reconnect. You know what I really hate in reviews? Hmm. Stop calling games other games. Stop saying this Ooh. is the Dark Souls of first-person shooters. That one in particular, very this is much, yes. the Dark Souls of trading card games. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Please. Yeah. I, look, there are some that I think are okay. Like if you're trying to explain that something is going to take over and be a phenomena, you can describe it as the next like. PUBG or something. So no. that's going to get old really soon, too. No. But, like, no. something that introduces that style, I Never. think it's fair. But Never. I think the problem is that the Dark Souls, like, saying this is the it's Dark so Souls or it's what inspires, it's, it's so ubiquitous with the idea of a game being difficult while also having weight behind the movements. You know that, what my like, it's favorite... Fucked. You know what my favorite one of those is? Hmm. The first one I saw, and I'll never forget when I went, oh, God, this is going to be a thing, and I hate it. Far Cry. It's Skyrim with guns. <laughs> I was so infuriated by that comment. And I, it's not that I dislike Far Cry. It's just, good God. The no, it's not. The stupid thing about that is not only is it not true, <laughs> but Far Cry's been a series for a lot longer than <laughs> Skyrim was. <laughs> exactly. It's so annoying. It's so annoying and bad. And if you yeah. ever write a review, I'll never say. I feel like you can compare it, but as a tagline, no. Get out. Get out. I feel like it's yeah. free to put it in your like like this. This game feels like a spiritual successor to this game, but like. Don't put it in your, like, tagline or your review. I hate that. Yeah, I agree. But also, even in the body of it, stop saying that it's the Dark Souls <laughs> of anything. That one, yeah. that one's just... That one's I, real Even bad. if I know exactly what you mean when you say it, yeah. I still just don't want to read it ever again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. I think so, too. Duncan, what would you give this episode out of 10? <laughs> well... I'd give it a I'd give it a six point five. Wow, 10. you think it was that trash? You think it was actually the worst <laughs> episode that's ever been released? Damn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Do you want my honest score or my IGN score? 
I definitely want your IGN score. Okay, all right. Well, I'd give the sound quality on this episode <laughs> no, a no. 7.9. I think I leaned back a lot from the mic and came back in. I heard Alex laughing a lot. He's probably going to clip the audio. Oh, I'm um, clipping all the time, my man. The recording levels in this See, one the way wrong. I just clipped there. See, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a 7.9. Graphics, I don't there's not. It's the same image you see every time. Not for this one. That's a that's a that's a two two out of ten, um, and the conversation what about the, topics. What about the fun factor though? The fun fact, <laughs> the fun factor. That's a that's a eight. I feel no. Actually, we didn't have that much fun. So that's a four. That's hey, a four. you literally just said I was laughing all the time. You can't contradict <laughs> yourself that quickly. Okay, all right. Well, I'm just trying to make the funnies, Alex. Okay. I'm trying well, to get our fun score up. So when, so when IGN reviews our podcast, we get a high score in the fun. We got to get it uh, all in the ending. IGN, I don't have anything against you. I'm sorry. I just don't like the way that you do reviews. But also, I haven't been on IGN for reviews in a long time, so some of this may be outdated. Yeah, yeah. No, I think they still do reviews like that. I saw I, they definitely still do the number. I don't know that they break it down into categories anymore. Hold on, hold on. I'm doing that. Let's 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 not look like idiots. IGN okay. reviews. If 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 it is bad, then we're scrapping the whole episode. We're going back and we're recording it from okay. minute one. We're clicking on IGN. No, they didn't break it down. Okay, thank God. IGN's not that bad anymore. Okay. Yeah, I mean, maybe I, it's look. Gamespot. Okay, but you know what? The, they gave the Nintendo Labo Robot Kit a fucking seven point three, a point three. <laughs> what made it point three better than a seven? This is why review scores are fucking. Cheap. <laughs> uh, we gotta. Okay, okay, that's great. We proved that we're not that's totally great. wrong. Hold um, on, hold on, hold on. I do have to make sure that Gamespot. No, they just give a whole score. Yeah. All I right. Mean, look, places gave up. They're like done I with said, it. It was a 2007 ass thing. Places are done with it now. Well, I saw I saw a Night in the Woods review with that, so it can't be that old. Was it on Steam? No, it was it was an actual video by a by a place. Let me hold on. Let's I'm not, really let's bothered. Not, nope, by we're, this. Done. we're done. We're no! done. We're done. We're done. Done. Right, executive right, you're decision. Right. You're right. You're right. We'll just cut all this out. Um, again, next week. Wait, no, two weeks, two weeks. Two weeks from now. Two weeks from now. Uh, we'll be playing near automata with our two guests the uh, reoccurring one that you've heard before michael if you want to hear his 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 bad mic you can check out our uh our, our doki doki episode or the one just me and him did uh uh floaty shoes i don't remember the name floaty of that game shoes duncan i can't save you i wasn't on that episode this is floaty jumpy shoes oh, valley 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 uh, so those are two episodes he's on. Um, and then a new special guest. We're not going to tell you because you haven't unlocked the fighter yet in Super Smash Brothers. Um, <laughs> but that's how we will be introducing him. Canon. I've said Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Guaranteed. That's what's happening now. A new podcaster has approached. Mm. Um, mm. Now come... that you said it out loud, I want to take it back. It sounds bad. It no, sounds bad. No, no, it sounds it great. Uh, check us out on Twitter. Thoughts from P1. It's our Twitter handle. Uh, email us at thoughtsfromplayer1 at gmail.com. We've got a Facebook. Uh, we've got iTunes. We'd really, really appreciate if you left your thoughts from listener one on thoughts from player one. We can cut it. It's fine. Don't worry about eh? it. You can't cut me going, eh? Ah, you <laughs> underestimate the fact that I can just stop your audio and not mine. Oh. 
Well, you know, I'd appreciate it. Uh, and if you want us to play a game or have a question about it for a game we've already played or, you know, a game you want us to play or one we're going to be playing in the future, Again, let us know. Automata questions. Yeah, near. We need more mm-hmm. because I'm trying to come up with all of them and it's hard. Yeah, yeah. Try and make questions that are for chapter one, but like. We're going to go to chapter two and be like, oh, man, I can't believe I said that about this character. You know, (laughs) something like that. I know I'm being very specific, but I know Alex won't be able to think of it. Yeah, that's true. I'm a dum-dum guy, so let's, you know, help me me out. Give us the help that we need. Uh, (coughs) I think that is all of our social media. Once again, like Duncan said, two weeks from now, we'll be near. After that, we're going to be doing another Sonic episode. And then, you know, we'll just kind of keep you updated from there. Um, In the meantime, Duncan, would you like to hit us with the closer? Uh, That's all the beef in the pot, boys. Eight out of ten. That's my final score. Nice. Let's take that. That's pretty good. All right.